I'm not a loser, but sometimes I do loser things. In the event that this fails, they'll never be able to come to me and say, hey, remember that podcast you did that didn't go so well? No, that was our podcast. We did that. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to episode 31 of the In My Own Words podcast. I'm your podcast host, Tony R. Sanders. Happy Sunday, everybody. Doing something a little bit different this week. I want to shift the podcast to be more video forward. And so if you're watching the video today, you're going to see things look a little bit different. I'm not even wearing the headphones, so I hope the round of applause work when I hit it. Um, the audio is still going to be there. I'm not taking away the audio from the podcast, but I do want to be more video forward. When I think about what I want to do with this podcast, I definitely want it to be a video platform. I feel like that is the platform where uh, I am most comfortable and would have a great deal of success. And I enjoy it. I enjoy being on video. I enjoy recording video. Uh, I don't enjoy exporting and up uploading video because that takes a tremendous amount of time. But now we're getting off into some technical stuff. So welcome to the podcast. I appreciate everybody joining us for episode 31. Is it? Is it episode 31 or 32? I think it's episode 32 of the My Own Words podcast. Either way, when you clicked on it, whatever episode number it said, that's the one it was. I'm pretty sure it's 32, which means we've been going at this for 32 weeks in a row, and I think that's pretty impressive. As a matter of fact, another round of applause for you and me and those are of the past and those to come uh, for 32 episodes. I think that's really, really amazing to have an idea to want to do something and want to create something. And then you fast forward 32 years 32 years, my goodness, 32 weeks later, and uh, it's still going strong. So I think that's super dope. Uh, I'm all about, and we're going to talk about this as we get into the podcast, I'm all about happiness. And as I get older, I'm starting to more and more understand what makes me happy. I was coaching somebody uh, earlier this week, and they are, um, I wouldn't say much younger than me, but definitely younger than me. And definitely young enough to where I can see where they are currently and I remember it. Like, oh, I remember going through that. Oh, I remember being there, right? And I started to take them through a process of how you start to understand more and more every day of who you are, right? And it it comes with a couple of things. It comes with having a mindset that life is an experiment right? Life is an experiment. We don't know how things are going to turn out. We can project, we can predict, but in the end, we don't know, right? So you you take at life as an experiment, and when things happen to you, you try to detach um, emotionally as much as you can, right? Yes, you want to be happy. Yes, and I guess detach emotionally is probably not the right word or phrase, you want to just become more aware of your emotions as things happen. We do a lot of things that make us feel really crappy, and then we continue to do them. And I'm not talking about things that just means you're an adult now. Like, I don't necessarily feel good every time I pay my mortgage payment, but I got to keep paying the mortgage, right? You can't just stop paying the mortgage. So I'm not talking about things like that that are your responsibilities that you have to take care of. But there are small things that you do every day that just might make you not feel well. For example, when I get home from work and Michelle and I are talking about my day and she asked me how am I doing or how my day was, 
I got into this habit that made me say, um, I guess it wasn't bad. Nothing crazy happened. I got to the point in my life where every day I was kind of looking for crazy to happen. And so when crazy didn't show up, I was like, uh, nothing crazy happened. You know what I mean? Instead of being, instead of being my more optimistic and positive self, just saying, it was a great day. Like if nothing crazy happened, nothing bad happened, uh, that means good things happen. Good things happen to me every day. But my focus was on the wrong things. And so just doing things and experiencing things and becoming more aware of your emotions and what makes you happy is one of my driving forces behind this podcast. You know, it could be frustrating when you're doing uh, something and you're not seeing the results that you expected to see, right? I always am going to wish more people watch the podcast. I'm always going to wish that more people listen to the podcast. I'm always going to wish that more people, you know, like my post on Instagram or retweeted my tweet or commented under a picture or commented on a video or whatever the case may be, right? I'm always going to wish for more of that, but that is not the reason why I'm doing it. The reason why I've done this podcast for 32 weeks in a row is because it genuinely makes me happy. Like I genuinely get a kick out of coming on every Sunday morning at 8 a.m., just sharing whatever is on my mind. And so I want to continue to evolve. I know that um, sometimes I can come on here and talk about topics that are a little bit heavy. And sometimes that is fun once in a while, but not what I would want to talk about every week, right? And so paying attention to my body, paying attention to my emotions, understanding that more, right? There are certain things that I do talk about with people throughout the week. And I think, man, like that was really fun. That was a really fun conversation. That was a really engaging conversation. Those are the things I like to talk about. You know, just even going back, assessing my Twitter feed and seeing the things that I've talked about this week and the things that I engaged in or the things that I liked and kind of analyzing what that means for me. So I'm saying all that to say um, you may continue to see some changes and evolutions with the podcast. I want to continue to grow and develop uh, the podcast. I want to continue to make it fun and more fun for me, try to elevate it to the next level uh, as high as I could possibly take it and continue to evolve as I evolve. And so uh, trying a little bit something different. I look at the podcast as an experiment. As you guys know, I've done some things with the podcast and it worked really well. I've did some things with the podcast so far that hasn't worked well. It's going to continue to be that way. Uh, but I appreciate any feedback or any questions or concerns or input that you guys have. It is always welcome. So let's get into some content. Uh, man, I want you guys to become aware of someone who I've been aware of, at least since 2015. That's the earliest memory I can think of of this person. And this person I'm talking about is Andrew Schultz. Now, Andrew Schultz is a comedian. He's a stand-up comedian from uh, New York. Uh, if you listen to podcasts, he is on the Brilliant Idiots podcast with Charlemagne the God from The Breakfast Club. He also has his own podcast, uh, Flagrant 2, that he does with a couple of friends. He has a series on uh, YouTube. It's one of my favorite things to watch called Inside Jokes, where he sits down with some of his comedian friends and they talk about the jokes that are really risky that maybe don't work and they try to figure out how they work. That's one of my favorite things to do as someone who does stand up myself. Definitely not on the level that Andrew does, but does stand up myself. It's so dope to just have this idea that seems like this impossible challenge to make funny 
and then you turn it into something really funny. So um, he has that series. He has another series called Dropping In, where he goes to a new city and he tells new jokes, and it's a vlog about the city. Maybe he'll try, you know, some of the uh, featured attractions of the city. So he came to, uh, he's on a tour right now, the Matador tour, and that's what I want to talk to you guys about. He came to Indianapolis uh, last night, on, uh, sorry, Friday night, so two nights ago from the day this was released. So he has two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday night, and I'm not sure if he has shows Sunday night or not. Uh, but I went to the Friday show, me and Michelle, we went to the late show, we went to the 10 o'clock show, and I was super impressed. I was already impressed with the stand-up material. I've seen him online for years. I've listened to the podcast, and I was really excited to go see him live, right? Just to know that he was in my city was really dope. And so I wanted to go see him live, but also I can't shut off this part of my brain that analyzes and kind of uh, studies comedians because it's something that I'm so passionate about. And there was a couple of things that I loved and a couple of things that were interesting to me, right? I'll say it that way. So let's talk about. Uh, some of the things that I loved. I loved how the environment was set, right? There weren't any people there, or at least the majority of the people that were there, they weren't there because they were just walking past a comedy club and they said, huh, that guy looks familiar, and they walked in. Andrew has done a great job of curating an audience that is okay with his style of comedy. Now, what's interesting about this is my wife, has no idea or very little idea who Andrew Schultz is. And I wanted her to come with me, right? We didn't have the kids. We're like, babe, Schultz's in town. I want to go see Schultz. And she said, okay, right? Being the, the cool down chick that she is, she was just like, all right, I'll go see it. Now, I had to warn her. Once she was committed, I waited until after she was committed. I had to warn her, babe, Schultz is a little edgy. Like, you may hear some things that may upset you or offend you. I'm just letting you know now. She was like, really? And I'm like, yeah. So on the way there, I actually pulled up some YouTube clips of his old stand-up. He had a stand-up tour, uh, Views from the Sis, and I showed her clips. And she laughed the whole way there. So I'm like, all right, good. This is going to be a great show. She's already laughing. She's comfortable with the material. It's not scaring her off or she's not upset or anything like that. So this is going to be dope. Uh, so I love that we were able to go there and we were kind of in a room that felt like a safety zone, right? I felt really comfortable when Andrew was on stage and the people in the room, even though we were all mixed race, we were all different genders, even different age groups, right? We had a we had an old table that was there. They may have been lost. There was an old couple, it looked like they were on a double date, there's four of them, and they looked like they may have been lost because some of this material I thought was going to be way too harsh for them and way too brash for them. But at some points, they were laughing harder than anybody else was in the room. So maybe not. But it was really dope to be in that environment, knowing that everybody in there was okay with what was about to happen. Right? And I think that that's super dope. Here's the interesting side of that, though. We're all really here for Andrew, and we're really comfortable with Andrew. But his opening act, we don't really know. And so he had an opener act on there, right? So you had... You had your uh, host, he did his thing. He was really funny. He's from the city. And then you had your opening act or what they were calling your feature act to come up before your headliner, which is Andrew. He was hilarious. But there were times where there was some tension in the room 
or some awkward energy in the room because we didn't feel as safe with him as we did with Andrew. Andrew could take us to some really weird, sketchy, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're saying that places. But we are comfortable of where it's going to go and that he's not going to take us too far. It's not going to go into a place of hate or anything crazy like that. And we didn't have that same sense of security with his opener, with his featured act. And so I think because of that, even though the guy was funny, even though the guy never crossed any lines, even though he, he talked about race without being racist, he talked about sex without being sexist, you know what I mean? He, he touched on all these topics, but because our comfort level was so different, we, we didn't really um, know him and what he could do and where he would take us. We didn't feel safe. I think the energy level kind of came down. So the energy level that I would like to walk on stage to if I'm a headliner wasn't there for Andrew when he walked on stage. And at one point during the guy set, what was really cool is you could see Andrew peek his head out the door and he's trying to get a feel for the room, right? He's heard this guy's jokes before, but he needs to know how the jokes are working in the room tonight. And I think that that's a really smart thing to do. I think most comedians do that. And I think that he knew when he came out, he needed to work really hard. And he definitely got the energy back up, but I still don't think it hit peak energy levels the way that it could if um, the opener, if we had more trust in the opener. And I'm taking accountability of this from an audience perspective and not putting it on the opener because his style of comedy is great. It's his style of comedy. It was hilarious. We just didn't feel safe. It was like letting a stranger into this safe environment. It felt like everyone else is in the room was cool and we were inside the joke and then a new kid comes in and he sits down at the lunch table and we're like, okay, let's see what the new kid's about. And that's not necessarily the environment that you want on a comedy show, especially one that's on a work night. And I think there's a special thing to be said for someone who worked all day Friday, came home, got dressed, and then went out to a comedy show especially once you've had a 7.30 show and a 10 o'clock show. Me, for one, I've been up since 5.30, 6 o'clock the morning before, or that earlier that morning, and now I'm not going to leave here until almost midnight. The energy level is probably going to be down. With all that being said, it was an incredible show. This is why it was an incredible show. Andrew was phenomenal. He did everything that I would expect him to do. Uh, very early on, people tried to talk to him, yell to him from the crowd, some sayings from the brilliant idiots. And I love how he addressed them and acknowledged them, but also kept it inclusive for everyone who was in the room, right? Some people only know him from his stand-up. Some people only know him from uh, his TV work. You know, he's done work on MTV. He has a show that was on Hulu that I watched called There's Johnny, uh, that he did a great role in that show. Uh, some people may only know him from Flagrant 2 or maybe from Brilliant Idiots. And so he has such a wide range of content that he does that you never know how someone comes in contact with him. So he had to do a good job of keeping everything, you know, in um, an open forum to allow everybody to be able to enjoy what he was presenting. So I thought that was super dope. Uh, also, and this is my my last point and my biggest point for the Matador tour. Um, it was the one of the most comfortable experiences I've had in a long, long time. 
I knew that I was going there to laugh at things that in normal life you're not allowed to laugh at. I didn't have to have any of my politically correct guards up. I didn't have to have my, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to laugh at this because people will be offended. I I didn't have any of the guards that you would normally have at work, on social media, or anywhere in public. You could just go completely relaxed. You didn't have to worry about your phone. You didn't have to worry about anything. You could just sit there and allow your body to do what it naturally wants to do when you hear something that's funny. There are things that were said in that room that would never be allowed to be said in normal conversations. You can have some of those conversations at work, and I guarantee you're going to end up in an HR investigation. You could tweet some of those things, and I guarantee, like we talked about last week, you're going to get censored. But in a comedy club, the gloves are off. Everything goes if it's funny. I've seen some people do it not funny. Andrew was hilarious. And so everything that he said never came off as offensive or or anything like that. Everybody was just able to relax and just kind of take a second and go, ah, let's laugh. And I really, really love that about any comedy show, but especially ones like Andrew's because he doesn't shy away from the topics that you're not supposed to talk about, quote unquote. He actually leans into them like a true comedian would. And so shout out to Schultz. I ended up staying around after the show and I got a chance to uh, talk to him for a brief second and take a picture. And he was much nicer than his persona. You could tell he was uh, very, I guess, humbled by the... Uh, experience and people lined up to take pictures with him and um, you know he was just very thoughtful very careful it was so funny I didn't uh, he's he asked me a couple questions we were kind of having a short conversation and I didn't expect for him to listen to me as intently as he did right he's really mastered the uh, idea of making you feel like you have all of his attention in an interaction even once I was done Another guy came up to get a picture and they were talking and it was almost like I disappeared. And that guy that he was talking to was the only guy in the room, which is really, really dope. So I appreciate that about Andrew. I wanted to share that with you guys. If you haven't uh, checked out the Matador tour, I think you can go to theandrewschultz.com and check out his website for tour dates coming near you. Uh, You can also check him out on YouTube at The Andrew Schultz. Uh, This is not a, a paid ad for him, but. The show was so dope, and uh, I love stand-up comedy. You guys know that, so I wanted to make sure that I brought that up on the show. All right, let's get some breaking news. Breaking news. So, the Lakers have acquired Anthony Davis via trade. Let me give a round of applause for the Lakers organization. I need to give a round of applause to Jimmy Buss and Rob Palenka for getting the deal. Done. This is a deal that we needed to get done when Magic was here. We've needed to get this done all year. And uh, I saw some people say a lot of crazy things about this trade. One person I've seen say, um, isn't this the same exact trade, the pieces, that Magic was trying to, to do? And I think with the exception of the first round pick, the, the number fourth pick, uh, because I don't know that we knew that we had that when Magic was trying to make this trade, I think it is. But if you know anything about negotiations, it has to be the right set of circumstances at the right time. And I think that when we were trying to make this trade earlier in the season, um, it wasn't the right circumstances at the right time. 
So now it's the right time. AD is officially a Laker. I guess he's not officially a Laker until July 6th. Uh, but now you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and you didn't have to give up the young budding star. Out of all the young stars, I think he has the most potential and is most ready to win now, and that is Kyle Kuzma. So I think that's really, really dope. Shout out to the Lakers, uh, my team. Now all I need is for my other team to really get a good free agent. And then hopefully in the future, we can have a nice Lakers versus Pacers finals the way that we did in the 2000-2001 series, which is a win-win for me. I can't lose if the Lakers and Pacers are playing each other. I'm going to win either way, even though deep down I'm going to be rooting for the Pacers. So super happy about that. Here's the best thing, though, and I have to pull out a wild word for this. Matter of fact, let me grab this wild word. Hold on. Wow. Oh, my God. I got to grab this wow award for New York Knicks fans. <laughs> this is what I love about New York Knicks fans. New York Knicks fans are wildly arrogant. They're wildly arrogant. They always think that they're going to get the best of everything and that they have the best of everything. If you were to rewind a couple of months ago, you would hear New York Knicks fans saying things like this. Oh, my gosh. My, mind you, their team sucks. Like, they're out of contention for anything. All they're trying to compete for is the first-round pick, and they're trying to get Zion Williamson. So their, their roster in their mind next year is going to be Kyrie Irving, Zion Williamson, and Kevin Durant. That's the biggest thing that they're going to get, right? They're going to get these three major players in this major market, and they're going to be this incredible team, and they're going to blow everybody out of the water. Why? Just because they're New York. New Yorkers remind me of Batman. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the parody videos of Batman, and they Batman says he's going to do something crazy, and they're like, why? And he's like, because I'm Batman. That's, that's a New Yorker. Just because they have the Statue of Liberty in their city, just because they have these 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 cool nicknames for the city, the concrete jungle and all that, just because they got some little flavor in their town, right? They're the melting pot of the country. All right, cool. Y'all, I'll give y'all that, right? We're the birthplace of hip hop. All right, cool. I'll give y'all that. That doesn't mean that you can just get and have whatever you want. For example, they wanted Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Zion Williamson. And I told them. Them meaning New York as a whole, every New Yorker that will listen to me, I told them this is not going to go the way that you think it is. So then we fast forward to the lottery, right? And the lottery is where we find out who's going to get the first 10 picks in the NBA, NBA draft, right? So we get those lottery, and guess who doesn't get the number one pick? The Knicks. <laughs> so guess who's not going to get Zion Williamson? The Knicks. So we can mark that person off the list, right? We should put a graphic up of Zion Williamson and the Knicks and just X it out because it's not going to happen, right? Just just put an X over that. And then they say, oh, well, you know what? It's okay because we're still going to get Kyrie and KD. And guess what happens? Guess what happens in game five of the NBA Finals? Not only do the Warriors lose KD, the Knicks lose KD because now it makes no sense for you to get KD if you want to be great and win next year because guess what? He's not playing next year. He tore his Achilles. And while tearing his Achilles, he's so great, he simultaneously tore up your dreams as a championship next year. 
I love it. I love it. I love that that happened. Not that he got hurt, but that Nick fans got hurt. Because there's nothing better than hurting Nick fans. You got to listen to me. I'm a Pacers fan, right? I remember Reggie Miller and John Starks going at it. I remember. I remember Mark Jackson coming to our side. I remember. I love disappointing and beating up on Knicks fans. I love it, especially Spike Lee. Spike Lee needs it the worst. I love it. So I'm super excited about that, right? So now two out of the three stars that you wanted are no longer in the picture. They are no longer there. And still the arrogance, the straight up arrogance of a New York person, a typical New Yorker is still saying, you know what, Kyrie is coming. And now every report you read, whether it be from ESPN, whether it be from Fox News, whether it be from Bleacher Report, Agent Wojnarowski, whoever you want to name, everyone under the sun is saying that Kyrie is prepared to go where? To Brooklyn. The red-headed stepchild of the Knicks. He's going to be right in town, but not where you want him to be. <laughs> He's not going to the historic franchise that won championships and have created this great aura and lore in the NBA and this, this sense of history. He's not going there. He's going to Brooklyn. You hear me? He's going to Brooklyn. Take that, New York City. <laughs> He's going to be that close to you, but still not want to be bothered with you. I love disappointing Knicks fans. And Knicks fans, here's why you're getting a wild award, okay? You deserve a wild award. Here's why the wild award is coming to you. You're choosing wackness over wisdom. When I give a New Yorker a wild award, I want them to understand exactly what it's for. It's for choosing wackness over wisdom. It's when you knew better and you still didn't do better. And that's exactly what happens. You guys know these things don't fall your way. You guys know it just happened in the football draft. You guys watch the NFL draft. You guys know what happened. You guys understand how New York happened. It's your arrogance. Pride cometh before the fall. Guess what? You've been falling for 50 years now. When are you going to wake up? Stop choosing wackness over wisdom. You guys deserve every single wow, wow award available. I had to get that off my chest. Speaking of saying things that are wow worthy, I have to get into this. And this is one of my biggest fears, right? I, I want to be vulnerable and transparent with you guys on the podcast. One of my biggest fears is that I'm going to get older and not be the same person who I am or even the person that I'm trying to become, right? I'm slowly stripping things out of my life. I'm trying to uh, you know, be on this road of happiness like I told you. I'm learning what uh, triggers me and what doesn't, how I'm wired, what motivates me, what doesn't. I'm also learning what I don't like. And one of the things that I don't like the most is one of the things that I fear becoming. Now, as you get older, we all know we lose things, right? I saw Kobe Bryant get older and he lost his, his speed. I see him lose his jumping ability. I Even my pops, right? My pops, when I was a little kid, every day he'd come home from work and he'd dance. He'd open the door, he'd walk in and he'd dance. And it was like one of the most incredible things to just watch my pops dance. And then as he got older, and kids got more, and bills got more. He didn't dance as much. I'm just saying, he still dances every now and then, but he didn't come home dancing every day, right? 
Some days he came home and just went straight to the room and didn't say anything to anybody. What I'm saying is, as you get older, things about you change, right? You ever see a picture of your grandparents when they were your age and you're like, I don't recognize that person at all? My kids saw a picture of my grandfather when I was a boy, when I was, you know, 1988 or something like that, and they couldn't recognize him. He didn't even look like the same human being to them because they had never seen him that way. They had only seen him the way that he is. I'm saying all that to say, I know I'm going to lose certain things as I get older. What I don't want to lose is my self-awareness because people who lack self-awareness are some of the most frustrating people to be around. That's one of my pet peeves when someone lacks self-awareness. When someone has zero self-awareness, they have no idea how they come off to other people. They're a close talker and realize don't realize that they're talking close. They are uh, oversharing and don't realize that they're oversharing. They are a handsy and doesn't realize they're hand- like all these types of people really really drive me nuts. And I try to be self-aware almost to the point that it gives me a complex, right? Like I'm I'm like overly socially aware of my like my social interactions with people. Um, not to mean not to say that you know you, you you don't miss anything or you know you may do something without completely noticing it, but I'm I'm so aware of it that it's given me a complex, right? And so I hate to see people who lack self awareness. That is one of the things that I hate to see the most, and that's exactly what I saw when O.J. Simpson joined Twitter. Now I don't need to explain to you who O.J. Simpson is. All of you guys know who he is. He's a murderer. That's who he is. He's also a former football player and a Heisman Trophy winner. But before all that, he's a murderer. I think it's very clear that we should say that. And I think even larger than that, what probably turned him into a murderer is that he's an idiot. And here's why he's an idiot. OJ decided that it was a good idea to join Twitter. Oh, my God. That was mistake number one. Who told OJ to join Twitter? Listen, you've gotten away with murder. You've gotten away with writing a book about murder. You've gotten away with the same murder that you got away with doing an interview series about it. You've gotten away with a lot. Like sooner or later, this luck is going to run out. Why don't you just shut up and stop talking? Stop saying things. Stop letting us know that you exist. You know how some people, they, they, they do something and then they don't give you enough time to forgive them? They just keep popping up? That's what OJ does. He's not even giving us enough time to like try to understand or try to give space for forgiveness. Every few years, he pops up with something new and dumb. Think about the level of self-awareness that you have to lack to get on Twitter and say what O.J. Simpson got on Twitter and said. Listen to this. At the real O.J. Hey, Twitter world, this is yours truly. Now, coming soon to Twitter, you'll get to read all my thoughts and opinions on just about everything. Now, there's a lot of fake O.J. accounts out there. So this one, at the real O.J. 32, is the only official one. So this should be a lot of fun. I got a little getting even to do. So God bless. Take care. O.J. The murderer. OJ says he's got a little getting even to do. Now, on the surface, that's a very common phrase. 
If I said, man, I got a little getting even to do, you'd probably laugh and say, what happened? But if I'm a known murderer, if I'm someone who has been widely known to the point that it's in my Wikipedia page that I stab people, multiple people, to their death, I can't talk about revenge. I can't say, <laughs> I got a little good and even to do. God bless. No, God protect. God shield. God get this man off of Twitter. What is happening? OJ, why don't you know that you can't say that? That's what's most intriguing to me. Like, I know you can't say that. But why don't you know you can't say that? Why, why don't you know you should be quiet? Like, why don't you understand? And here's, here's the thing that adds insult to injury. He's accused of marrying, or I'm sorry, he's accused of killing the woman that he married. And guess when he did it? 25 years ago. So you tell me on the 25th year anniversary of your wife's death, of whom you were accused of killing, your bright idea for the day is to create a Twitter account and get on Twitter and tell everybody, hey, guess what? I got some getting even to do. With who? Who are you going to kill next? What are you going to do next? Mind you, a couple of years ago, he just got out of jail. Why was he in jail? Because he had a little getting even to do. He had a little getting even to do when he decided to go and to a casino in Vegas and take back some of the stuff that he lost that was taken from him. He had a little getting even to do. Every time OJ has a little getting even to do, he seems to go to jail. Apparently, when he killed his ex-wife, he was doing it because he had a little getting even to do. She was cheating on him with the, with the, the other guy, right? Robbie Gold, I think was his name. And so OJ had a little getting even to do. And he, and he killed her. And ended up going to jail until his trial. I think we should all be very afraid. My, my bigger point is this. Why doesn't he know that you can't do that? Like, OJ, please, for the love of God, stop talking. Just don't say anything. You literally got away with murder. But even bigger than that, think about the people in your life, right? Hopefully OJ's not in your life. I'm not personally worried for my life because I've seen the people he kills and I don't fit the description. But um, <laughs> I know that was sick. That's a sick joke. I apologize. Sorry, not sorry. Um, what I'm saying is this. There are people that are more uh, present dangers that just lack self-awareness. And I think it's a very scary thing. And so <laughs> I just want to encourage all of you today to just monitor yourself, become more aware of yourself, what you do, how you do it, how you're perceived, get some people around you that love you. Uh, I want to talk about this at one point in the podcast, but my one word theme of the year is connect. I want to connect with people. I want to connect and build strong, lasting relationships with people and people that could be in my circle of trust that could tell me, hey, man. Don't go on Twitter and said that, say that because you're accused of killing people and people might take that wrong. Whether I listen to them or not, I don't know. But I at least want people in my corner that can say that to me. And it seems like the more money and the more fame you have, the less likely people will be around you that could tell you those things. I remember when Lil Wayne was going through a big drug addiction and he had people in his corner 
that were willing to step up and say, hey, I know you're the number one rapper in the world. I know you're making more money than all of us combined. You're making more money than you've ever made in your life. I know that you're probably one of the most recognizable faces in pop culture. You have a problem and you need to stop it. And as a matter of fact, if you don't stop, I'm going to leave because I'd rather leave and make less money and have less opportunity somewhere else than to stay here and make money with you while you kill yourself. That was really powerful. That was ugly to watch. There was a lot of arguing. There was a lot of hatred thrown back and forth. There were a lot of debates. There were a lot of times where Lil Wayne would go on stage and call those people out and say that they weren't for him and curse them out and try to fire them live on stage, right? That, that couldn't have felt good being in his corner, being uh, abused and treated like that. But they were standing up for what was right. They loved him enough to say, hey, man, that's not right. Dude, that's not what you should be doing. I think about the situation with Kevin Hart, him cheating on his wife, and some of the various other things that he's done since he's been in the limelight. Not to call him out or pick on him or anything like that, but I wonder if he had people in his corner to say, hey, Kev, don't do that. That's stupid. Don't go there. Don't connect with her. Stop talking to her. Leave that alone. That's stupid. Right? And I know as a normal human being, you could do things alone on your own and no one else know about it, right? But when you travel with an entourage, when you're on the road and the guys are with you 24-7, when you have a road manager and they're uh, being held accountable for you, when you have handlers, when you can't go to the grocery store by yourself without being um, attacked by paparazzi and fans, you have people that are around you for the majority of the time. Enough to see the types of habits that you have. Every time we see a video of T.I. cheating on his wife, guess who's next to him? Some dude on his payroll getting paid to shut up. No one's saying, hey, T.I., don't do that. You got a girl at home. Yo, Cliff, don't do that. You got, a, you got family. You got kids at home. Nobody's saying it. <laughs> and they're not self-aware enough to look at it from outside themselves, outside of the moment, and say, yo, this is stupid. So all I'm saying is this. Before you have some getting even to do in your world, whatever that looks like for you, make sure that you're thinking through it thoroughly and make sure you have people in your life that love you enough to tell you, hey, man, that's stupid. All right, I'm out. That's the episode. I appreciate you guys watching and listening. Uh, definitely check me out on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search for the In My Own Words podcast, or you can search my name, Tony R. Sanders. Check me out on Twitter and Instagram, at Tony R. Sanders. I will see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>